are you a leader or a follower? For the record, there's nothing wrong with being a follower. A good leader is no such thing if nobody's looking to follow. Would you know what to do if people were looking to you? Would you pass it to someone else or, or pick up the torch and run? Do you even want the torch? Do you want to lead? Careful what you wish for. I'll keep talking about this every time we chat if I have to. Wanting to lead and being a leader are dangerously different. Wanting leads to conflict. Having the innate ability to lead, that's from where great things can happen. Wanting to lead creates tyrants and tears people down, but being a leader builds people up and supports them from a solid foundation. Strange place to be having this discussion. Yeah, I, I, I know. But when you're tasked with creating something from nothing, you better know how to get your support. There's a difference between people having to listen to you and wanting to listen to you. Your harvest is more fruitful when your ranch hands want to work for you. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. I had sat for several days trying to figure out the best way to make this as entertaining as possible. Like what was the next thing I wanted to talk about or, or this, you know, what, what crazy scenario am I going to tell you guys about? And, and the reality is, is that at this point, I really entered a maintenance phase. And, and what I mean by that is the things that I've identified as strengths for myself there was no more buildup at this point today. It was time to put things in action. And if we're going to share this and I'm going to share this with you, like, let's do this. Let's do it in real time. This is what happened during this point in time. And as I was sitting back and I was thinking about this is what went on in this time. And I, I realized that this is where I got my hustle. And, and I don't mean... This is where I became a hustler or none of that shit. I mean, this is where my hustle came from. It's because I understood who I was now. I understood my role in the activities. I really kind of had a vibe with this kind of being the man in the shadows thing. Like I really enjoyed the fact that I no longer necessarily had to sell the drugs, but I got all of the benefits of it, right? So I was always high. I always had beer in my trunk. Okay, I was always having a good time. I was the man about town. And this is where I really started to get my grind on. But it was more than that. One of my first episodes, I talked about the rules. The one thing that I know I was watching happen was people not following rules. It was really like the wild, wild west. I tried to bring order to this. And this, looking back now, is where I got, as crazy as this is going to sound, this is where I gained my leadership skills. Because imagine now, you're sitting in your office or, or wherever you work, okay? You're at your job. And there are company guidelines and SOPs or rules and regulations or whatever they package it as for you. Well, there's none of those in the dope game. Okay, so nobody has to follow rules. They can make their own up as they go. Hell, I made my own up, but I made mine up out of 
not just out of necessity, but I made them up from a place of responsibility. These were the things that felt right. <laughs> and I'm watching people around me. I'm watching them party with people's girlfriends and getting random girls high just to try to get some and overcharging for things, underweighing bags. Like, nah, it can't be like this. First of all, if you're going to be messing around slanging my dope, my bags are never light. And regardless of whether or not people knew it was my dope or not, someday they might. They know I'm the one running around with it. It's got to be correct. Now, Robert, Jerry, bitch-ass Pete, they were, they were doing all right. They were kind of doing their own thing. They were handling their business. You know, I was, I was making money. But, you know, what was wild about that time is that the money wasn't as important to me as the recognition, as the bullshit friendships, as the attention, as the false sense of security. Like those were all the things that I was lacking that I needed in the real world, but I was getting it here. You know, I had, I had spoken about, you know, kind of being put in line when I had seen Bear the last time at the compound, but the reality is there were a couple times past that as I think back because the money had to make it there. Like membership ain't free. Money would get to them. I'd keep some in my pockets. But I was never like just balling out. It, it was more important to me to govern and garner attention and favor. That's ridiculous, right? Who gets in the dope game to make friends? <laughs> Uh, but that's where I was. I had plenty of friends or so-called friends, you know, in, in the, in the meetings, in the, in the, the meetups, in the parties that I, that all these people I got introduced to, there were two people that to this day stand out for me. One was this kid. Oh, this big black kid. I mean, he was such, he was just a gentle giant. And he was so nice. And his parents were so cool. They lived right around the corner from Robert. Like, it was literally around the corner, but it may be three houses between them. And so we wandered over there one day. And I just clicked with his dad. And me and O got cool. And O, di o didn't party. I really clung to that. Because I wanted something, a relationship, a conversation, somebody to hang out with that wasn't about getting the dope and being in the dope game and stuff. and. And then Jerry introduced me to some of the other Filipino kids that I had seen running around. And now when I say kids, I'm talking, you know, 1920. Here I am probably 24-ish at this time. But he introduced me to this kid, Nate. Nate didn't party either. He was one of them cats that like wanted to be down, but his just, just his heart isn't in it. That's not who he was. And I appreciated the fact that he was vulnerable like that. I named one of my kids after that kid because he had meant that much to me. He was that important, but he was a good kid. And this is where the rules came in. And there was a new one that I started to push around Western Ranch. If you were going to work for me or with me or however you want to view this, you were not going to serve somebody for their first time. Not as a direct report to me. And this is where I get back into that 
ridiculous approach because not only would I not charge people for the drugs that I was walking around with, right? We were just going to party with all of it if we needed to. But I would also encourage anybody that's never done it to never fucking get near it. And I would beg them, please don't. Please don't do this. Please don't go down this road. And I mean, with the most sincere of conversations. I had these conversations with O and with Nate, and I meant it. And I swear to God, I told them both, don't let me find out that somebody has given you this stuff. They listened. They listened to, to my knowledge. You know, I do know that Nate wound up trying it once and he came to me while he was still high and he apologized. And I just kind of got him through it. Good thing about being young and the first time the come down wasn't too hard. So it blew right past him, but there was order needed to be kept around Western ranch because the motherfuckers out there were doing too much. You know, then I caught wind that some guys that were partying with my dope were also using it like kind of roaming around. I don't know what you know about methamphetamine, but I don't know if you can call it an aphrodisiac, but uh, it doesn't hurt. You know, anybody that's on that shit, they're, they're trying to fuck. That's just how this goes. And the other thing I ain't going for is anybody roaming around with my dope, just trying to hook up with girls by getting them high. Now, see that it ties very closely because if this girl's never done dope before, it's going to be an extreme experience for her. And now you're going to use it to try to get laid at the same time. Like, nah, man, we ain't fucking doing that shit. Admittedly, I, I had to straighten some folks out. I felt responsible to police the situation and, and put order to it. And interestingly, the further back in the ranch you get, the more wild it got. There's two backs. Okay, so... There's two main roads in Western Ranch. Okay. There's there's a, a road that goes that's that's at the north side of Western Ranch and the south side of Western Ranch. And and the north side of Western Ranch had this road, Carolyn Weston, and it runs all the way down. And anybody that was on the north side of that road, they were like the unknowns. It was quiet over there. And then anything really past the middle school out there. It was the wild, wild west, man. That's where all the new people came from. That's where all the crazy shit was happening. And these were the people that we needed to get control of because the people I was running with were knowing these folks. And I was starting to get known. Known as the guy with the dope. You know, not as the dealer. I wasn't, it was just the, the OG in the neighborhood. I was all right with that in the beginning. You know, yeah, I'm the OG. This, I've been out here. These are my streets. Fuck, don't act a fool on my streets. But there's a uh, a downside to being the nice guy and being the popular guy and being the guy that's uh, putting structure to a, a situation that has no edges. And what I mean by that is I started going to these parties. It would be a whole new group of people. Never met these folks before in my life. And I would sit down and I would have conversations and these people would be, you know, passing me some dope or whatever the fuck. And they'd be like, yeah, this is fucking, uh, this is Jay's shit. And I'm like, oh, really? 
And this motherfucker, I'm sitting next to somebody and they're telling me about how they know me. And oh yeah, we're cool. That's what's up. And I'm like, yeah. And there were even times like it wasn't just once. Like this happened regularly enough that I started introducing myself as Hefe. You know, there were other people out in the ranch that were trying to peddle their wares. And they caught wind of this guy. And I was that guy. They also heard that I had rules that people had to play by. And, you know, sometimes when you tell people their rules, they will intentionally break them. Then they find out that I'm also discouraging people from fucking doing it. I mean, I've even discouraged people. Hey, man, if you just started, you should fucking walk away. I've I've not shared drugs with people because I felt like they were above it and you got a chance to get out. You're not going to you're not going deep on my dope. So there was one person that took least kindly to this, and he was one of them cats that lived on the other side of Carolyn Weston. His name was Joe. Now, the only reason it was brought to my attention is because he was dating this girl named Dana. Okay, now Dana was a fucking dope fiend, okay? Like, there was no saving this bitch, and and I'm sorry, you can probably hear in my voice, like, I have no love for this chick, but the minute she met me, she was like, oh, you should meet my boyfriend, Joe. He's this, that, and the other. Okay, well, I've been hearing about Joe, so this is very convenient. Now, I don't know if she put two and two together who I was, because I'll be honest, I don't even know what name I told her I was going by that day. I met her. I was running around with Nate that day, and he saw some of his friends. We were driving over. I think we were driving him to his parents' house uh, from my parents' house, and there was a bunch of kids on the green belt. At the time, also the other thing was these kids were rolling on Molly or Ecstasy or whatever it was. So there, there was a bunch of his friends sitting on the green belt, siffing, huffing Vicks, which I guess intensifies it. I don't know. I've, I've never done it. But this girl, Dana, was with them. And she stood out like a sore thumb because here's a bunch of Filipino kids rolling on E. And there's this tweaker white bitch fucking bouncing off the walls. Couldn't wait to fucking tell everybody in the sun that her boyfriend fucking has dope. And I was like, all right, that's what's up. I didn't even break any out in front of her. She just couldn't shut the fuck up about it. So I, hey, you need a ride? <laughs> it was five blocks, four blocks. Lord knows she could have floated there as high as she was. But I dropped her off and, you know, Joe was in his garage, which was his spot when he was fucking on one. He was a big fat Mexican dude. He was tweaking out on some bike. I don't know. He was really into this bike. I, I don't really know. It was cool. Everybody's into their thing, right? Everybody's got their tweak when they're on one. But this dude was doing his bike. And so I started chopping it up. Hey, cool bike, this and that. You know, I mean, I grew up around BMX. I knew what to say. And it didn't take long. Hey, man, you party? He asked me. I was like, what you mean, man? And he pulls a bubble out of his pocket. And I was like, yeah, fuck, let's do it, bro. So me and this dude, we start partying and I avoid any conversation about me having a contact, about me having accessibility to it. I'm going to try to keep as much space between who I am and who he thinks I am. I'm going to keep as much space as possible because I know that this is the guy that's got something to say about what the fuck it is I'm doing right now. And I want to see what he has to say. Now... Again, by this time, everybody knew me as Jay. 
right? Motherfucking Jay. So I think I'm pretty sure. I mean, he always called me Jason. So I know that's how I introduced him. And he just didn't put the two together. At least not right away. And now me and this dude, I keep him close. You know, there were people I'd see that know me from other parts of the neighborhood and they'd, they'd kind of drive past. Now he lived in a court, so we'd be sitting out in his front yard and people would drive past and they'd slow down because they see me and I'd kind of have like, you know, hand by the hip, fucking wave them on. Nah, bro, go. Or I'd have to face him, you know, let him know, no rag, dude, and I'm not working. And I would just kind of feel this dude's vibe out and he would just talk the most shit, not just about me, but just fuck about anybody. And it was time to, Pay attention to how this dude moved. Now, Dana's little crackhead ass would come over. She lived directly across the street. And she'd come over and grab a bunch of dope and fucking head back to her house. And she lived with her parents. And this chick was just a fucking train wreck. And the ability to just dip into his house and grab dope. Nothing was more prevalent about how easily accessible his dope was. Until one day when we were hanging out at Joe's house. I walk up to his garage. His garage is always open. And Dana is walking out of his garage. And I'm, bitch, what are you doing? She's looking sketchy. She's skipping back across the street. I walk into his garage. This motherfucker has a plastic grocery bag full of meth on his garage floor open. Just open. There had to have been, I don't know, half a pound, maybe a quarter pound. I, I don't know. I, I'd have to guess it. There was a lot. And this little crackhead bitch is just running over, grabbing a handful and bouncing. And this dumbass got so on one, he went in his room, started tweaking out, just left the shit there. Now, mind you, this motherfucker lived with his grandmother and his mother. You know, and they were hip to the game, man. I was there when his mother told him, basically, be good or be good at it. Like, if you're going to be a dope dealer, you be the best dope dealer you can be. And he wasn't really good, man. This dude was taking fronts from his own family. Like, when you have to say the word front and family in the same sentence, you ain't doing something right. And when you're just leaving whole fucking grocery bags of meth fucking sitting on the floor, wide open for any old person to find, bro. This gave me reassurance that I was okay. I'd hang out over at old boy's house. He'd just sit there and get me high all the time. And I'd fucking just dip and fucking with a shitload of it on my own because I had my own rounds to go do. But befriending Joe gave me access to even more people. You know, there were houses... There was this kid, Emmett, that I met from Joe. Now, Emmett knew Nate and Robert and Pete, but I had never met him. And, and me and Emmett, we, we clicked up. He was this young black kid. He was fucking hype, dude. And it was weird, I should point out, at this time to see black guys doing meth. It was just, well, it was always whites and Mexicans. Like, I never, so anyway, he loved it. We'd go to his house. Miss Pam, Miss Pam. I don't know if that was his aunt, his mom. I don't know. I called her Miss Pam, but I never had to, I never knocked. Never. It didn't matter what time, man. I busted in that house. He lived with like three cousins, two sisters. I, I don't even know who all these cats were, but I just walk in. What up y'all? Loud, loud. And it's, hey, everybody be happy and shit. And it became like a second, third home, but getting to know Joe, which was really the only competition I had in the neighborhood at the time. He and I got close so I could keep tabs on him. I got access to people he was selling to, and I would 
I would not side bust him. I would not. I never once would take his clients, dude. But I'd get him high. I'd show him what real dope is. I'd show him what dealing with a real fucking hustler is because I'm telling you, this is where I learned to get my grind on. Out in the ranch is where I got my hands dirty. It's where I knew this is what I got to make just to be okay. This is how much how much money needs to be delivered. This is how much I can keep. This is how much I can fuck off. But this is how much I need for my bills. These are the people I got to keep an eye on. These are the people I'm teaching. These are the people I'm keeping away. There was an org structure evolving all on its own. And this is what I mean by this is where I learned to hustle. Because I look back now that I'm in the corporate world. And I realized that my first exposure to how to be a real leader and a real coach, <laughs> I learned how to manage people in the craziest of circumstances. Nobody had to listen to me. Not like in an org structure when you go into, oh, fuck, I work at Amazon and that's your manager. That's the person you have to listen to. There was none of that shit. Everything I had to do, I had to convince people of. And it's not by, ooh, do it or I'm going to hurt you. It was never that. Like, I want you to listen to what I'm saying because you want to, because you understand that I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Because any good leader, any good boss, anybody with their salt knows how to deal with people. If you got to yell at people, if you have to hurt them to get them to listen, <sighs> I mean, it works, right? <laughs> if it didn't work, we wouldn't have wars. But that wasn't who I was. It was more important to me to keep myself surrounded by the best versions of people that were available in the game that I was in than making a pile of money. You know, as long as stacks were getting back to Bear and the team, and as long as I was comfortable, I didn't need this crazy fucking lifestyle. I had a decently nice car. Clothes was kind of my thing. I spent a lot of time at Dillard's. My gear was important, but more important to me was trying to take these folks that were making bad decisions and help them make the best ones the back out of where they are. I would actively encourage people, you should leave this alone. And some did. Oh, and Nate, you know, Nate even reached a point down the line, even though we will hear more about him as we go along. It got to the point that I was doing too much. And he told me, like, if I'm going to do what you've told me I need to do with my life, I can't fuck with you anymore. And I, I've never respected anything more than him telling me that because I used to put him up. I would just build him up and I'd build. I mean, I would do that to anybody because I'm just that's just who I am. Like, I will find the best part of you and I will just hone in on it and make it great as best I can. And he believed so much everything that I was telling him that he had to walk away from me because I would hold him back. And I tell you to this day, I'm still proud of him. And I, I, I ultimately, once, once I, I left the ranch and, and we're not quite there yet, but once I left the ranch, it was one of my most prideful moments You've outgrown me. You're going to be better. Thank God you're going to be something good came of it. You're going to be better than the decisions I'm making. Thank you. Nate, if you ever hear this, buddy, 
I'm so fucking proud of you for walking away from me. I mean, you really want that for anybody, right? Like anybody that, that, that works for you, you want them to be better than you. It's like your kids, right? You want your kids to exceed well beyond anything you've done so far. I want that for everybody. Of course, I want that for my kids. But I want it for you. And I want it for people that aren't listening. And I want it for people I, I know and people I don't know. I want it for people that have done me the worst. I want them to succeed. I would run around Western Ranch getting people high, which interestingly really opens up people's feelings and emotions and willingness to talk. I don't know how much it opens up their ability to absorb the conversation, but you can have some deep, deep conversations when you can't shut the fuck up. There's rules. And mine were shifting to be way more positive. All the original ones are still in place. But now there's some new ones. Because now... Now you're not fucking serving my dope to people that have never done it. You're sure as fucking... Oh, man. If I ever found out somebody served my dope to somebody underage, that's a wrap. Ah, oh, fuck, man. People that sell dope to kids, I'll snatch them up now. I'll snatch them up right now without hesitation. I don't even need to know them. I swear to God. It was time to take a more responsible approach to what I was doing because that positive version of me... That one that wasn't running out to buy guns to protect people that probably didn't need or deserve protecting. But the better version of me was was trying to come out. He was fighting his way out. And, and we realized where we were. So let's try to make it positive. You know, I got old school Mike introducing me to some folks. There was no help in that, dude. He was a lost cause. But I've got access to Joe now thanks to his fucking tweaker-ass fucking girlfriend, Dana. Oh, that bitch fell down. I got Nate. I got O. I got, you know, Robert, bitch-ass Pete, Jerry, Emmett. I got ranch hands. Working hard, trying to be better. And I was going to try to be better with them and for them. And I'm going to tell you to this day, I'm better for having, for having this moment in time. Because it helped me start to it helped me to start growing something positive within me because I saw a glimmer of hope. I saw that I could be okay. I could be positive. Something good can come of this. I just wish somebody was ever looking out for me that same way. Listen, I hope you guys are enjoying what you're hearing. I really appreciate that you're listening. If you want to reach out, feel free. On Instagram, my madness method. You can email me if you like, mymadnessmethod819 at gmail.com. I'd really love to hear from every one of you. And, and I hope you take a minute and share your story, share your feedback. I'd love to hear it, you know. Until the next time, my name is Jason Farias, and this is my madness method. <laughs>